place today. God, it's evident, Lord, your anointing is already in this place, God. I pray, Lord, for the hearts and the minds, God, of this youth, Lord, in this hour, God. Truly, Lord, the enemy, Lord, is after our young people, God, but I pray you would build a hedge about them. I pray that they'd be full of the Holy Ghost before they leave here, God. Oh, in your name, Jesus, can we clap our hands unto God? Jesus. You can be seated today. An imitation is a cheap, inauthentic substitute. It is fake. It is false. It is bogus. It is a mock. But it's similar. But it's similar. It's close, but it is not the real thing. It is a look-alike. And I want us to take just a couple of minutes today as I lay a foundation. And I want us to take a look at a few imitations that this world has. There are diamonds that look real. But when you get down to it, they're not real at all. They are fake. They are worthless. And they have imitated something that is worth thousands of dollars. And literally downsize it to where you could get it out of a gumball machine and and to the naked eye, you cannot tell the difference. There is gold. When I was a child, I don't know what they call it now, but they called it fool's gold then. It's worthless. It, it looks the part, but it's not at all the part at all. And literally, uh, people spend thousands of dollars a year, if not millions, trying to recreate the U.S. dollar. And something that is counterfeit, that literally if you worked at a grocery store, you could not look at it and tell the difference. And they came out with the markers and they marked on them to try to uh, tell the difference and they do not accept them. Even though it looks like it, it's worthless. It's absolutely worthless. It has no value whatsoever. It's no good. All it is is paper and ink. I'll never forget a friend of ours years ago, uh, his father-in-law ran an antique shop. And people traveled the country to come there because they wanted old antique tricycles. And so we said, how in the world does he come across so many tricycles? And our friend said, oh, you don't know, do you? And we said, we don't have any idea. This, this cat would go down to Walmart and he would buy, buy all their tricycles. He'd go out in his backyard, and he would bury them. He'd dig them up so many, late, so many months later. He had broke it down to a science. He could dig them up, and they was just one big rust bomb. And people would pay hundreds of dollars for what they thought was a 1800s tricycle when they really had a brand-new tricycle that was really worthless and uh, take the wheels off of them to where, because uh, that plastic's not going to rust. I mean, he knew just what to do. I'll never forget. It's not been too long ago, a preacher friend of mine, uh, he called me up. He said, man, he said, right now, he said, you can get on eBay. He said, you can, you can buy these old Mickey Mantle baseball cards cheap. And he said, you can resell them for hundreds, if not thousands. Me and my son got on eBay, and there it was, Mickey Mantle. Uh, 
rookie card. And so there's 10 seconds left, and it's going to go for $56. And we clicked on it, and I'm telling you, we danced around the living room. We celebrated. We won this auction. This card literally books for thousands. And so I called my friend. He looked on, on there to see what I had bought. He said, man, he said, you bought, a, you bought a reprint. He said, if you'll look down at the bottom, he said, there's some real small letters. However, this man had put on there that it was authentic. And so anyway, they eBay or PayPal, whatever, reimbursed us our money. I'm just telling you today, there are so many fakes in this world. It's not been that long ago when Tommy Hilfiger clothing uh, was sweeping the nation by storm. And people was, was literally making these Tommy Hilfiger tags and going to Walmart and buying faded glory jeans and sewing Tommy Hilfiger tags on it and selling it. And people was falling for it. Kids going to school and, and uh, boy, these Tommy Hilfiger jeans ain't near as comfortable as y'all made them out to be. Because <laughs> they're not Tommy Hilfiger jeans. It's not been that long ago my brother got on eBay and, and supposedly this, uh, there was a set of horns on there. A woman was selling them and uh, she wanted $100 buy it now. This thing scored like 280 points, non-typical uh, set of deer horns. He bought them, got them home and, and uh, he called me down to his house and said, you ain't going to believe this. But literally they were plaster. They wasn't even deer horns. And there's so many scams out there. People's got that. And you look at these pictures and you cannot tell the difference. You can't tell the difference. It's literally fake. Am I the only one that gets angry when you go to McDonald's and you see a picture of this Whopper? It's about that thick and everything's hanging off of it. And they throw it on a tray. You get it to the table and unwrap that thing and it looks like a burger that someone forgot it was in their seat and set on the thing and just it don't look nothing like that picture but that's how they sell it to you and they make it look good but the bottom line is it's going to cost you a lot more in the end to replace it uh, with something that's worth value one man said i don't understand why there's so much time to do things over but never enough time to do it right the first time. I'm going to tell you something. Pentecostal is worth living. It's worth fighting for. It's worth seeking out the original. It's worth seeking out something that's not fake. That's not a fallacy. We're not looking for just a feel good. We're not looking for something that's just going to satisfy our emotions. But we're looking for something that's real. It might not look as pretty as something down the road. Well, praise God. But if I'm going to get in this thing, I'm going to be for real about it. I want God to be pleased with my walk with God. Well, praise God. I don't know about these other pastors, but I get real tired of our young people going to these big meetings and coming back home and saying, well, their youth group dresses that way and, and they shout and they run the aisles and they're shedding tears. And it's tighter and it's...
it's shorter and they're doing this and they're doing that. I visited their church and I felt the presence of God. Well, praise the Lord. I'm going to tell you, Pentecost is getting way off track on some of these things. And just because the other youth groups are doing it, that don't give you any right to do it. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I was with the Baptist preacher in our town the other day and and I'm not trying to draw any lines for any pastor here. But I'm just telling you what the man told me. He pastors somewhere around 600 people in a Baptist church in our town. Of, uh, and, and here he is and he's saying, Daniel, he said, I want you to understand. He said, social networking has destroyed my church. He said, this year alone there has been four of my best families broke up because of social networking. And the new statistics come out this year and because of social networking alone that some 80% of divorces are because of social networking. And perverts get on there and make themselves out to be someone that they're not. And they're taking young ladies out of our youth group. And nobody's saying a word about it. I'm going to tell you what bothers me. At the beginning of this year, I begin to open my Bible. And, and I just open to the story about a Pharaoh. And he steps out on his porch one day, takes a deep breath and says, Hey, guess what, everybody? New rule. As of today, your male children are going to be thrown to the Nile. And nobody said a word. There was not one sword drawn by the children of God. I'm going to tell you right now, if they walked in our church today, this president, and said, new rule. If you have a baby boy, we're going to do away with him. I got a good feeling they'll have a fight on their hands. I got a good feeling they're going to have a fight on their hands. But why are we keeping our mouth shut about this other mess? Tell you, just because this world's doing it, that don't okay it and make it right. What's your pastor say about it? What's your elders saying about it? Did they say it was okay? Did they say it was all right? Whatever happened to your pastor getting in the pulpit and just simply saying, hey, I don't feel good about that. And you say, hey, don't worry about me. I'm, I'm out. If my pastor don't feel good about it, then I ain't having anything to do with it. stuff is is just a cheap substitute and a cheap imitation for the things of God I'll tell you I know what it's like to go to a ball game and 
And late in the fourth quarter, and there's 13 seconds to go, and your star player is dribbling the ball down the court, and there's a feeling that rushes over you that I cannot explain, but it's so similar to what you feel when the Holy Ghost comes on you. I know what it's like to sit behind a television set. Later on in the movie and the plot's about to come to a close, there's a feeling rushes over you. That, well, they come out with this ignorant Titanic movie and, and literally people at the movie house having to help them to their car because they're falling because this Leonardo DiCaprio or whatever floating on a little piece of wood and taking his last breath and and they're weeping and this feeling's coming over them. But they don't know this, but in Hollywood, he didn't die right the first time. <laughs> so they got to kill him again. Wait, take, click that thing, and we got to shoot this again. You didn't, you wasn't breathing right. Forget it, let's come back tomorrow and do this all over again. And, and good people are falling for that mess because they're operating off what feels right. I'm tell you, Isaac was deceived because he went with what he felt. And good children, teenagers are sticking needles in their arm drinking everything they can drink, trying to find the next high, trying to get the next feel good because the devil has a cheap substitute for the things of God. You don't, what you don't realize is those things are going to cost you a whole lot more in the end. Can I tell you today that, that I know what it's like to grow up in a church where the men would gather around the front and shout the house down and then go home and get drunk and watch pornography. I know what that's like. I know what that's like to see a man in the church shouting and running the aisles and, and it looks so real. And then take you and show you things that will mark your mind forever. I know what it's like to hang around the wrong crowd and argue with my dad. And no, no, they're my friend. They're not leading me astray. But the whole time they're, they're telling me, your dad's crazy. He, you don't surely believe it takes all that. And they're trying to convince me. And instead of me leading them, they're leading me. And that's what's so sad. And, and young people in this hour, you go visit some church and they're getting way off track and they're charismatic to the core and, and you're allowing them to influence you. And you ought to be influencing them. They ought to see you weeping around the altar.
know what it's like to get with my brother and go rent a hotel room just so we could watch TV. Someone argued, had enough nerve the other day to say, I don't know why you're so hard on a lot of that, th those things. You've done it when you was younger, and you're okay now. I'm going to tell you something. I'm, I'm one in about three or four. that are still living for God and that youth group because there were so many things out of sort because a pastor became a certain age and he was an older man and people learned that they could persuade him by some sort of false worship I don't know why I'm preaching to a youth group but brother Riggin just because somebody's shouting and they're running you ought to check their attitude if they're shouting and they're running the aisles and they're trying to dress like this world and, and the boys are trying to dress like girls I won't say dress like queers because they say we can't say that so I won't say they're dressing like queers. They're dressing like girls. Well, anyway. And the girls are dressing like something else. There's, there's two safe places in this world. Number one ought to be your home. Your home ought to be a place of protection from this world. We walk, we walk through this world and, and every ungodly thing is promoted and thrown before our eyes. But it ought to not be that way in our home. It ought to not be that way in our home. That's why we don't have Hollywood in our home. Because it promotes everything we're against. It promotes homosexuality. It promotes rebellious children. It promotes harlotry. And number two ought to be the church. It ought to not be that men are tempted by the things of this world outside this church. And then they got to come to the presence of God and still be tempted with those things. Shame on you, young lady, if you don't dress right and you cause a stumbling block for some young man. Man was very upset talking to me two days ago. I don't know where they got these numbers or even if they're right, but I'll just repeat what he said. He said 80 million teens in the world per year pregnant and 20 million 13-year-olds. Come on, Pharaoh's making new rules every day. We're going to sit here and keep our mouth shut about it? Come on. 
tell you, we don't preach against it. They'll start doing it. In our church, when I took the church, 80% television. Some of them said, we just watch the news. I love what Brother Coon said about that. He said, a man told him, said, but we only watch the news. He said, it's amazing in the small town of Gina that the news will last till 2 o'clock in the morning. Because I've drove by your house and seen that big glow. Well, I'm going to tell you something. If you watch it, you ain't just watching the news. I did not just watch the news. I could care less about the news. I didn't want no news. You telling me I'm going to go to the movie theater and pay whatever it cost and say, I don't want no movies. Show me the news. That's foolishness. You're trying to justify your wrongdoing. The bottom line is you like the way it makes you feel. Because you've settled with a cheap substitute. Well, they're allowing it in this whatever. This church says they're okay with it. And they shout. They run. I don't care what they're doing. Benny Hinn prays for them and they fall out. Yeah. Well, anyway, isn't God good? Do you love God today? Teens are, from what I hear, teenagers are cutting themselves with razor blades because of the way it makes them feel. Teen suicide in the United States, I looked it up this morning. If the statistics are right, they said 4,000 a year in the U.S. Teen suicides. Because children don't feel like they're loved. They don't feel like they fit in. They don't feel like they're wanted anymore. So their last hope is just end it all. Just get me out of this life. Can I tell you, that's where those cheap imitations, those cheap substitutes will take you today. That's where drugs will lead you. That's where alcohol will lead you. That's where all of these things that just make you feel good for the moment. This world's hungry for something. And they're searching and they're trying to do everything in the world to satisfy that hunger. And they get drunk and they take drugs and they do all kind of ungodliness but their problem is still there because all these things are is just a temporary solution to your problem. Can I tell you today that the, that the devil's come to take your life? He hates you. He don't care if you live. But God came to give you life, to give you hope. I've told you a little bit about how I grew up and me and my wife, we first got married, and, and uh, Brother Parker, some of these men heard my testimony. But when we got married, 
Uh, on Monday nights, we, we played independent basketball league. On Wednesday nights, we played softball league. Fridays, we took off work and we played golf all day. Saturdays, we played softball tournaments all up into the night. Many times, we'd miss church on Sunday just to play softball. We were good at it. We knew what we were doing. Uh, rain or snow, we were out there practicing. I was never there for my wife. And I had a little girl, Courtney, and we had television in our home. And I come in one day, and my wife's weeping. She's sitting on the floor. And I said, what's wrong? She said, go to the bathroom. I walked into the bathroom, and the most beautiful, curly hair you ever seen in your life is laying all over the bathroom floor. And I looked at my daughter, and, and her hair's cut off and mangled. And at that point, I thought, what in the world? Why would she do this? We only let her watch Disney movies. And I walked into a room, and there was a movie playing called Parent Trap. These two little twin girls meet at camp. One's got short hair, one's got long hair. And they didn't know it, but they were twins separated at birth. One wants to go see the dad, one wants to go see the mom. And all they can do is cut the other one's hair, make them look like each other. And she put into action what she saw on that day. Dr. James Dobson stood in a line of reporters to visit with Ted Bundy the day before his execution. Ted Bundy said, I'll visit with Dr. James Dobson. That's the only reporter I'll talk to. Dr. James Dobson asked him a question. He said, what led you to do what you did? He raped and killed a 12-year-old little girl. And that's what where he got caught. Many more teenage girls, grown women, that he'd do this to. He'd walk up on a college campus and with his arm in a sling, and he said girls would fall for it. They'd feel sorry for him. They operated off their feelings. He said he would lure them over to his car, get them in his car and take them out of dirt road and, and kill them. He made a game out of it. He said, what would lead you to do such horrible things? He said, it started out just looking at, at girls in bathing suits, like the swimsuit issue, Sports Illustrated. He said, we live by a dump. Me and my friends would go dig those magazines. It went to that, and it went on to, is this okay, brother? Went on and, and Playboy magazine. And then from there, it went on to videos, and then... Then he went on to getting videos on the black market where the woman actually gets killed at the end of the video. And everything he'd done would satisfy that urge for a season. But he said there was only one thing left to do, and that was to put into action what he had seen. And you want to justify and you want to say it's okay. My friends are doing it. Look at your friends. Look at the life they're living. 
and you want to let them influence you? Can I tell you today that I've, I've told you what the church was like when I was growing up. But you go there today and there's a revival church. You can ask Brother Parker, he's preached there. You can ask Brother Riggin, had a new lady get the Holy Ghost Sunday night and I baptized her Tuesday night. Two years ago, we had 22 get the Holy Ghost and one revival. And I'm telling you, the reason why is because I refused to settle for a cheap substitute. I refuse to do what everybody else is doing. Just because everybody else is saying it's okay. That don't make it right. My God, we ought to stand to our feet and declare war today. And say, I refuse to live that life. I'm not trying to please my friends. I don't, I'm not in this just for a little feel good. But I want something that's authentic. I want something that's real today. Can we clap our hands and worship? Let's come to the music today. Come on, let's worship the Lord. Gather around this front, young people. Come on, everybody, run to this front. Come on, come up here saying, I want the real thing. I don't want a substitute. I don't want a counterfeit. I want a real, genuine experience with God. I want the fullness of the Holy Ghost. Come on, lift your voice, everybody. Come on, young ladies, lift your voice to God. Come on, young men. 